Perhaps tiring of the activity of the central thoroughfare, or the smog that can blow over the district on a bad day, we can retire to the sheltered side streets of Nuiji. Here, newer concrete structures intermingle with more traditional terracotta roof buildings, the homes of residents of the area. As I highlighted in our visit to the mosque, despite the ostensibly religious character of Hui identity, much of the enduring nature of the ethnic distinction comes from family ties. Here then, among the households of Hui families, we can see the bastions of that identity. Perhaps one of the most intriguing factors to the survival of the Hui enclave is in the composition of these families. You see, intermarriage is not uncommon between Han and Hui families, but tends to be in very specific patterns. Traditionally, it is common practice in China for a wife to leave their parents' household, for their husband's family household, after marriage. This is a component of the construction of a woman's role in life in Confucian thinking. It was held that women were to exist in a separate domestic sphere, and were expected to fulfill duties to men in their lives, as daughters, then wives, and then as mothers. It's notable then that intermarriage between Han and Hui families tends to be very one way. It's far more common for Han women to be brought into a household of Hui than for the opposite to occur. This is perhaps reflective of several factors. Traditional Islamic practice frowns upon Islamic women marrying non-exotic men, while Muslim men are expected to raise their children as Muslims, regardless of the faith or origin of the mother. This is in addition to the Confucian tradition of the men being the continuers of the family lines, leaving whom Han women marry to be of far less importance. This process has created the stronghold nature of households in guarding a distinct Hui identity. Multi-generational households, limited influx of outsiders, and the support of strong cultural traditions means that Hui communities maintain a stable hold in an otherwise Han urban centre. Despite this ecosystem of sustaining households, Hui enclave communities are certainly not immune to the pressures beyond the sanctuary of the family home. The economic pressures of the city itself can have a drastic effect on the survival of enclaves. Here in Nuiji, the built environment of the area has continued to house and cater to the needs of Hui residents. Elsewhere, however, this has not been the case. For an example, we need look no further than the area of Madian in northern Beijing, between the Haidian and Xichen districts. Much like Nuiji, it was historically a Hui enclave, though 350 years old. Also like Nuiji, Madian was located at the edge of the old city, and was an important centre for livestock trading. However, Madian's role as an ethnic enclave has drastically declined in recent decades. During the 1950s, the proportion of residents that were Hui sat at around 90%, while by 2000, that figure had fallen to only 25%. These figures are particularly noteworthy given the proportion of the Chinese population that are members of minority ethnicities have grown over the previous decades. How is it that the Hui community in Madian has decreased so remarkably while its sister in Yuji continues to thrive? Location, it seems, really is everything. The economic reforms that transformed China in the past couple of decades have heavily impacted both the physical layout of Beijing and the lives of many of its residents. Madian's location on the edge of the inner city left it particularly vulnerable to this impact. Successive waves of highway construction took place in the edge of the area, increasing the value of the location due to newfound accessibility. City council renovations and property developments then moved in, leading to significant spikes in the price of residences. Medi Madian Hui, unable to afford the cost of living in such a newly desirable location, were forced to move out seeking residence in more affordable outer suburbs of Beijing. This is an important lesson, as entrenched as ethnic communities might appear, 
they are ultimately vulnerable to the dictation of the city that surrounds them. The existence of enclaves like Nguiji and Madian are supported by social structures as old as families, households, and societal norms, but are still fragile in the face of shifting economic pressures. Now, I think it's time to stop staring at other people's houses. It's a little rude. With that, we've come to our end of the brief tour of Nguiji Street, and with it, our exploration of the lives and history of Hui living in Beijing. We've tried the food, looked at the historic sites, roamed the streets, and even peeked into the home lives of the residents. However, we also looked into the complex and negotiated relationships between Hui communities, state power, and the broader Han-dominated population of the city and the nation. As much as I hope you will leave with some new insights, much of course remains uncertain. Will Nguiji continue to play its role as an enclave for Hui in Beijing, or, like Madian, become the victim of economic forces outside its control? What will changing attitudes to ethnic minorities in China mean for Hui, both online and in the physical world? Just what does the future hold for China and its people? Unfortunately, I don't have any answers for you. These are complex questions, and answers are not easily gained. At the least, we can continue to explore history and the nuance of people's lives, in order to gain a broader understanding of what to face in the coming years. Farewell, and have a cracker evening.